Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Binu Sandhu. Let's take a look at the stories for the day. battle between the Ahmedabad-based Torrent Group and Hinduja Group to acquire debt-ridden Reliance Capital took another interesting turn this week. The National Company Law Tribunal has now restrained the creditors of Reliance Capital against accepting a higher bid placed by the Hindujas after Torrent said that it was submitted after the e-auction completed. Now, exactly what is going on in this high-stake bankruptcy proceeding? And why are Hinduja and Torrents logging it out? Debarg Hirsanya's report has the answers. Reliance Capital is possibly the first non-bank financial company in India to attract a resolution value of 9,000 crore rupees via e-auction under the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Code or IBC. That's the amount the Hinduja Group had belatedly submitted in an attempt to outbid the Torrent Group to acquire Reliance Capital. Earlier, the Torrent Group had emerged as the highest bidder for Reliance Capital with a bid amount of 8,640 crore rupees. However, despite being the highest bidder, the deal was not sealed for Reliance Capital. Competing resolution applicant, the Hinduja Group, had belatedly submitted the 9,000 crore rupees proposal on December 22nd after completion of the challenge process on December 21st. This was only after learning that Torrent Group had emerged as the highest bidder. In the e-auction conducted under the challenge mechanism, Torrent had outbid Hinduja's earlier offer of 8,110 crore rupees. The Committee of Creditors, or COC, had fixed a floor value of 6,500 crore rupees for the auction held on December 21st. Sources say Hinduja's post-auction offer was 100% cash upfront, whereas Torrent Group offered only 3,750 crore rupees as upfront cash, which is 54% lower than the Hinduja offer. But what's the idea behind this Hinduja move? Uh, bidding has its timeline with by which people have to bid and if this is allowed while uh, you know allowing bidders to uh, change their bids or the terms of the bid uh, beyond the bid period it creates a bad precedent so i think uh, ncld has its in its in its wisdom and rightly so uh, held that this, that it should not be considered having said that sometimes it's just a strategy that you know why don't we throw a price just to give a hint to the relevant stakeholders that we are willing to up our stake and you know uh, uh, you know, it just kind of puts everyone on the toes and uh, while knowing, like I said, knowing fully aware that this is not going to be accepted because it is not as per or it is going to prejudice uh, the other bidders. But it, at the same time, the, the COC has not made up their mind and in the next meeting, I'm sure it, it is it is something while they will not they will not consider the revised bid, but they can always say that this, this is the price that they could be expecting and there is one bidder who is willing to give that. So these are all 
you know i would say evolving strategies at the hearing on tuesday the council for the coc informed the bench that no final decision had been taken by the coc as all the offers are under process for legal due diligence the council for the coc sought a week's time to move the national company law appellate tribunal the hinduja group was not represented in the court the next hearing is scheduled on january 12th the coc meeting also held on tuesday remained inconclusive due to the ongoing litigation in the meeting financial advisers deloitte and kpmg observed that besides the huge gap between the two upfront cash payment offers torrent had also proposed deferred payment of 3 to 5 years and without torrent investments corporate guarantee offered in the first round and at zero interest lenders prefer to give higher weightage during voting for upfront cash so as to free the capital earlier valuation reports by duff and felts and rbsa advisers pegged the liquidation value of reliance capital at 12500 crore rupees and 13200 crore rupees respectively but why are the bidders making offers lower than the value of assets modi has this to say the resolution professional appoints two valuers under the ibc both the valuers are given a mandate to arrive at two valuations one is a fair market valuation and the second is a liquidation value this is the value that will be derived after selling the assets in the liquidation the bidders are giving the bid based on something we call it im information memorandum which is the information that is given by the coc to all the bidders based on which they make an informed decision that while legally it is possible for a bidder to bid less than the liquidation value there is a supreme court judgment on that however the chances of a bidder to for the committee of creditors to accept the bid which is below the liquidation price is commercially not viable why should coc accept a valuation less than the valuation that they would get if they were to simply liquidate the company and get it from market but now of course there are practical nuances like when will the sale happen it is a time factor it is a it is a cost factor and based on that the uh, the coc may take in its wisdom and that is a discretion that the coc has whether to accept such bid which is below the liquidation price but under the law they are allowed a bidders are allowed to bid a price below the liquidation price. so do we see a trend among bidders making offers lower than the value of assets hemang parekh of delhi based dsk legal says i would say that there is no uh, trend here it's more of a strategy that each bidder deploys uh basis of course the financial situation of the bidder the the resources that the bidder has uh and so on and so forth but what should be the nclt's position in negotiating such deals parik says the objective of nclt is to get the maximum value for the lenders and therefore if there are certain i would say minor technical points uh here and there then it is it is uh possible for nclt to overlook it uh given of course the larger framework of the law in place it is not always about going by the technicalities of law but sometimes nclt wherever it sees an opportunity or uh, if the situation warrants it will look into the spirit of the law and accordingly grant reliefs
Thus, while the NCLT's decision to offer relief to the Torrent Group is seen as a preventive measure against setting bad precedents, experts point out that strategies used by the Hinduja and the Torrent Groups aren't uncommon in the MNA ecosystem. It is therefore the NCLT's prerogative to negotiate a bidding process where the moves are not necessarily illegal but tends to go against fair practices. Meanwhile, an altogether different kind of battle is brewing on Indian roads. Several new ride-hailing companies are trying to challenge the dominance of Ola and Uber, which command over 70% of the market. These newcomers are trying to grab their space with unique offerings. While some let you bid for the lowest price, others are offering eco-friendly electric cars. There are also those that have women drivers and cater only to families. The ride-hailing market in India is rapidly diversifying. But is the country's ride-sharing market ready for disruption? Debar Grasanyal's report offers an aerial view. India's ride-hailing and taxi segment is projected to reach $12.77 billion in 2023. Ola and Uber each command 35% of the market share. The number of users is expected to grow well above 11 crores by 2027, and the user penetration is expected to be at 7.2% at the end of 2023. However, these numbers are likely to see a drastic shakeup if India's ride-hailing and ride-sharing sector embraces the nascent trend of diversification it is currently witnessing. Companies like InDrive, BlueSmart, Sakha, Rapido and many more are trying to make inroads into the sector which is currently ruled by Uber and Ola. Consumers too are slowly warming up to them. So, you know, what is happening is the amount of experimentation that is going out in the market is quite substantial. And it is not just ride sharing. This is, this is, there are at least seven, eight different business models that are currently being tried and tested in the marketplace. We will see some winners come out of this experimentation. The more people will experiment, the more agile these companies will be, they, they'll be able to uh, push for a greater share of market. For instance, InDrive, a California-headquartered ride-hailing platform, lets passengers and drivers negotiate the fare of a ride. If a passenger receives multiple offers at the same price, the person can make his or her choice based on the driver's estimated time of arrival, the price, the vehicle model, and the driver's rating. The app was first launched in Kolkata in April 2022. Since then, it has spread across major metropolitan cities. Then there is Sakha Cabs, which allows only women or men with families to hail a ride with them. Run by women drivers who are trained by the company in driving as well as self-defense, the cabs with Sakha also come equipped with panic buttons. The cabs have been in service since 2020 and operate in Delhi, Kolkata, Indore and Jaipur. 
There is also BlueSmart, a fully electric ride-hailing and EV charging platform currently operating in the Delhi NCR and Bengaluru region. Not only have they introduced a zero denial and zero surge policy, but they have also installed more than 1700 EV charging stations in these areas since 2019. They lease electric cars from global leasing institutions, cutting down any stress of asset ownership for their drivers. But even as these new entrants create their own niches in the taxi market, what are the major challenges that they are likely to face and what should their road ahead look like challenges also provide you opportunities right because a lot of these companies will be agile enough to say that okay fine uh, we're going down a path and we're going down car sharing but is it make does it make sense to get bike sharing involved in it does it make sense to uh, reverse back and go with ride sharing where drivers are doing most of the rides so uh, you know they, these companies will from my perspective you know agility in a lot of these newer ecosystem players will be very important for it to uh, for them to be successful in the marketplace Himanshu Raghuvanshi co-founder and CPO of Cabgrid a B2B sourcing and mobility company believes that besides creating a niche the new entrants must break out of the template set by the big two in the right uh, uh, right hailing segment as well you look at ola and uber command majority of the market segment now any new entrant would have to find a niche Blue Smart found a niche in terms of convenience, right? Or Sakha is looked find trying to find a separate niche. So the market is still big, but they'll have to find a niche. The only challenge that they uh, the biggest challenge that they are uh, up against is uh, in terms of see there's a set template out there that Ola and Uber have set, right? For success for growth for expansion. Now in order to break that, they'll have to take a different course because they. Olas and Ubers of the world have deep pockets, so they cannot play on price. The other factors that they can play on is maybe convenience that Blue Smart is playing on. The other thing also is the question, the challenge of whether we, how do we break out of the template? Like Blue Smart owns its own assets, Ola and Uber do not, right? So they are trying to find a niche, but the question of how quickly can they expand, being such asset heavy, is again a, a very big question, right? With the new diversified offerings, the big two will also face a challenge to upscale and diversify the supply end of their businesses. But the Olas and Ubers of the world are and would face the most important question that is supply, right? Uh, the Olas and Ubers or the Lyfts of the world are big enough. I think they can also innovate on the type of vehicles to push that convenience quotient up, right? They can work directly with automotive manufacturers. even new age manufacturers who come up for coming up with their own type of vehicles maybe or internal systems maybe right so that the convenience factor the convenience quotient goes up right in terms of pricing i i haven't seen ola and uber even talk speak about ev adoption right uh, so in terms of pricing and in terms of convenience there's a lot of innovation that can happen right the you know major innovation will happen in terms of supply right the type of supply and the wait is the supply runs right and just like the new entrants the big 22 must be agile in their growth strategies
if they are agile enough to build new platforms if they are agile enough to build new products within the platforms that they have to cater to a newer segment i think uh, that's that's i mean uh, let's not forget that they were they were, they've become very big now but a few years back they were not as big right uh, so they they probably already know how to how to get to scale how to get to size how to get to new products so that is the inherent benefit that companies like these will have uh, they, some of them are very well funded as well so they can experiment a lot more than some of the other companies so that's the benefit they have and uh, they they have the potential to catch on it with the desire for last mile coverage an eye on safety and environmental concerns consumer demands have opened the floodgates on diversified ride hailing services but even as the new offerings find their own niche the sector as a whole will grow only when both the established as well as the newer players are agile enough to incorporate and adapt to these diversified demands pandemic had hit the ride hailing firms badly it also made the financial markets movements erratic nearly 30% companies let their draft ipo approvals lapse in 2022 because of it private markets too saw funding winter with tighter liquidity conditions however with 2023 expected to be relatively less volatile will capital raising activity gain steam this year and will india inc tap public or private markets to raise funds Nikita Vashisht and Puneet Wadha bring you this report. Tighter liquidity and market volatility affected the fundraising plans of companies in 2022. Nearly 90 firms had originally planned to raise capital via initial public offers last year, but 20 of them, including GoFirst, One MobiQuick Systems, VLCC Healthcare, and Caventer Agro, shelved their plans. According to a Business Standard report, these 28 firms could have cumulatively raised approximately 38,800 crore rupees. As interest rates are set to rise this year as well, industry players and bankers believe capital. raise via public offers may remain the preferred route last two years the trend has been the private equity funds are utilizing the secondary market they have taken out to throw away price so it this platform has become a platform of unlocking money for them and valuations are highly stretched so that and these companies which are retiring i am not uh, sure that they have valued them very cheap so therefore there is no opportunity to go back to private equity funds and most of them are offer for sale so therefore they will not be able to go back to venture fund private equity fund they would wait even little longer for secondary market to improve and that is the only place where they can get a much higher valuation and use it for unlocking value for themselves and also for uh, pe funds venture fund which have already list, invested at the throwaway price in these companies 
fundraising via IPOs gained currency during the booming years of 2020 and 2021 when equity markets delivered double-digit returns. These were also the years when funding in the private market was happening across companies. Indian companies raised 31,000 crore rupees through public issues in 2020 and 1.2 trillion rupees in 2021. Fundraising through private placement during these two years stood at 8 trillion rupees and 6.31 trillion rupees. In 2022, 32 companies raised 55,000 crore rupees via IPOs and 5.38 trillion rupees via private placement. Analysts say promoters who had planned to raise funds either way last year will have to lower their expectations as both public and private investors eye sustainable bottom line growth. They have been just too, uh, blindly focusing on growth and they have been missing out the bottom line. That's why some of them uh, burn the fingers. So it is time for, uh, you know, uh, look at uh, growth but without any compromise on the bottom line. Meanwhile, elevated bond yields, a positive for retail investors, are expected to open up a third fundraising avenue for companies in 2023. For instance, Adani Enterprises and Indoor Municipal Corporation are set to make their first ever public bond offering this year. Besides, LNT Finance Holdings, India Bulls Housing Finance and Muthut Finance among others are also lining up to tap the market in January-March. Overall, capital raising activity will remain buoyant in 2023, albeit amid realigned market expectations. Chemical, pharmaceutical and tech service providers could be the ones tapping the markets in 2023. As regards today, markets will react to the minutes of the US Federal Reserve's December policy meeting, oil prices and COVID-19-related news flow. About 150 kilometers from Dalal Street, in the heart of Pune, buses of Karnataka came under attack last month. ATMs of Karnataka's banks were also defaced. The decades-old simmering border tension between Maharashtra and Karnataka erupted once again, and assets of Maharashtra also faced similar vandalism. So what is this border dispute, and why is the district of Belagavi at the center of this row? Watch our decoded segment for the answers. The six-decade-old border dispute between Karnataka and Maharashtra over the control of a district and a bunch of adjoining Marathi-speaking villages resurfaced a few days ago. Several vehicles bearing Maharashtra registration plates were vandalized in Karnataka, and vehicles of Karnataka came under attack in Maharashtra. So what is this dispute all about? Belgavi, which was known as Belgam before 2004, is the district both the states are laying claim to. The Rao finds its origin in the State Reorganization Act of 1956, which determined the borders of Indian states based on language. Karnataka was formed on November 1, 1956 and Maharashtra on May 1, 1960. Since then, Maharashtra has been claiming 856 villages of Karnataka, which also form the Belgavi district. Leaders of Maharashtra have been maintaining that the part belongs to their state and Marathi-speaking people of the region were living in fear. Karnataka has been denying it. On October 25, 1996, a commission under the Supreme Court Chief Justice Meher Chand Mahajan was set up to find a solution. The commission rejected Maharashtra's claim over Belgavi and 247 other villages and said that these must be made a part of Karnataka. But it recommended that 264 villages be given to Maharashtra. While Karnataka supported the commission's findings, Maharashtra rejected it and claimed that it had not adequately addressed its concerns. In 2004, the Maharashtra government moved to the Supreme Court, staking the claim 
over the Marathi speaking villages in Karnataka and it was the same year that Karnataka changed the name of the place from Belgaum to Belgavi it also made it the second capital of the state this border dispute finds resonance during the elections too Maharashtra CM Eknath Shinde in December announced that freedom fighters in Marathi speaking areas in Karnataka including Belgavi will receive a pension and free medical care under Jyotiba Phule Jan Arogya scheme within days Basavraj Bomai the CM of Karnataka announced grants for all Kannada schools in Maharashtra he added that his government is even thinking of staking a claim on over 40 villages in Jhat Taluka in Sangli and on Solapur Maharashtra was planning to send a delegation to Belgavi on December 6 to hold discussions with the local groups but it was postponed after opposition. Workers of Karnataka Rakshana Vedika activists went to Belgavi and attacked the buses from Maharashtra. In retaliation, Karnataka buses were attacked in Pune. The matter is pending in the Apex court and both states have said that the issue cannot be resolved politically and requires a legal solution. trusted bank sbi the banker to every indian elections for the karnataka assembly are approaching and this border dispute is likely to escalate if not checked by politicians in both the states that's all for today for more news and analysis please log into our website www.business-standard.com and we'll see you tomorrow morning stay tuned and thank you for watching for more news views and updates Subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.